Hey folks, it's Andrew. Just uh, want to make a quick introduction to this episode before we kick it off. So as the title suggests, this is a demo episode. This is a demo we recorded, one of three demos that we recorded in the summer of 2017 to test out the show's adjusted format. As we explained in episode zero, the show this season has a more formal game show format. And this demo reflects that. We only changed it a little bit in when we started recording the for real episodes, which the first, the the episode one, the the, the, the legitimate episode one for season two will uh, kick off in two weeks. And we're really excited to launch that one. But this isn't going to be too different. And we didn't want these episodes to just, you know, drift away into obscurity. We wanted you to hear them because the fix are really good. I really enjoyed pitching Fargo season two to the guys, and they wrote some excellent stories for it. So I'm really pleased that you get to hear these. So let's 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 do it. Let's 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 start this demo. So without further ado, here's an awesome theme song. Warning: This episode contains adult language and content. They say the pen is mightier, but in whose hands? So we'll pick two stories head to head and find out which one lands. All three sham writers haven't read a lot, so your sham host will find a famous plot. From books and films and TV shows, they'll make a pitch, then off you go to write what you don't know. Sham Fiction, the show where two writers cross pens in a duel to write what they don't know. Now, here's your host, Andrew Neal. Greetings, Sham listeners. It is your favorite Sham host, Andrew. <laughs> Back for season two, season duel. And guess what? It's my first time hosting in season two, and it's going to go great. Tell yourself that. Tell me that. Tell me. Okay, so just right now, take a break and tell me that. Tell Andrew it's going to go great. And thanks, everyone. Oh, man, I'm really excited to be hosting uh, this episode this week. And, man, I hope you've been enjoying season two. I sure have. Um, what that thing that I wrote last week? Masterpiece. Um, and I'm excited to hear uh, a couple of masterpieces from my favorite friends slash writer pals uh, this week. Um, so let's 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 introduce them, shall we? All right. Uh, the first sham writer this week, uh, who will be going head to head with the other sham writer in a battle to the death, um, <laughs> is none other than the bearded one, Eric W. Carlson. Welcome, Eric. Oh, hey, do I really have to fight yes. to the death? Yes, I, I have decided that you're both going to be using those pens from, <gasps> uh, or those quills from Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, oh. where it takes your blood as ink, and it's whoever dies first <laughs> loses. So whoever writes the shortest fiction will in fact be the winner, because they're yes. least likely because to pass out from fiction. blood loss. Because here on Sham Fiction, we appreciate economy in our storytelling. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's bring in our other Sham writer, the challenger, Mr. Marcus Mann. Oh, hi, guys. It's me, Marcus. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing yeah? pretty good. Pretty good. Looking good. Feeling good. All those goods. 
You, you, you feeling like you got a lot of blood inside you today? I just got, uh, got an extra little transfusion. Didn't even need it. Just got some <laughs> bonus blood thumping around. <laughs> just in case this was what was going to happen. Oh, you know me too well. You know how much I like my death battles. <laughs> I watched Marcus that Silicon goes, Valley and thought I needed a blood boy. So. <laughs> oh, gosh. That was a good episode. Uh, you just get some transfer, you know, some, some transfusions of young a younger person's blood, Eric, and you will stay youthful for longer. I think they stole that from The Simpsons. <laughs> Did they? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I've never seen Silicon Valley, uh, as you might know from season one of Sham Fiction, where I had to write it. What? Oh, yeah. I still haven't seen it. It's unfortunate. You'd love it. <laughs> <laughs> and our past episodes are available in the podcatcher of your choice. All right, hey. guys. So we're here to duel, or you guys are here to duel. I'm here to just tell you about something. And that little something, <laughs> something that I'm going to be telling you about is season two of a different program. It is season two <laughs> of Fargo, the television series. Do they also duel in that show? Oh, there's some dueling. You know, it's a violent show. Guns be going off in the general vicinity <laughs> of other bodies, so I guess people are dueling. Tell me more about how dueling works. <laughs> so, let's, let's do the Ten Duels Commandments. Uh... <laughs> Let's not get into that. Um, though the Hamilton fans would love it. Um, we call them humans, Andrew. Oh, thank you, thank you. Of course. Of hey, course. that's another thing I haven't seen. Hey, and also that you sham. Yeah, but don't listen to it at work. Oh, don't. <laughs> not true. safe. NSFW. So, the Fargo TV show created by Noah Hawley, the new television wunderkind. Um, based on the film by Joel and Ethan Cohen, Minnesota's own Joel wow. and Ethan Cohen, um, starring uh, Mary Jane herself, Kirsten Dunst. <laughs> what? Yeah, you know it. And Night Owl himself, Patrick Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> nice pull. Oh, nice pull. Are these all going to be superhero film polls? And Cheers himself, Ted Danson. <laughs> Not a superhero poll. No, no. But, uh, yeah, that's I, what we're going to be talking I about. I haven't so gotten Ted get... Danson in spandex yet. That's what I want to know. <laughs> it's a mistake. He's looking real good these days. He's, 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 like, perfectly white in his hair. And it's just, it's, it's a real well-trained beard and hair. He, he's a good-looking man. He's in the good place. I gotcha. Oh, there you go. That's a different show. A show that we are not going to talk about today because we're talking about Fargo. I got eight minutes to tell you guys about Fargo to pitch you this wonderful program. And for <laughs> you guys to program. take that information and I, I know what I said. And <laughs> take that information and, you know, fly and write a short piece of prose that will, you know, Make me feel good from my fingers to my toes. That's that's what's gonna happen. So, are you guys ready to hear about Fargo? So ready. Yeah. All right. I haven't missed anything. This is my first episode hosting in season duel, so I haven't missed any information that I'm supposed to be telling the the great listeners at home. Well, um, we've never no. seen Fargo, the show. I've never even seen the movie. So what? I'm a double blind. I think that's oh what my. double blind means. I think it is. Other than being blind, I'm also taking in your a eyes. lot of pills. <laughs> <laughs> so I have no sense of sight or smell. 
Yep, it's double blind. Oh, God, wasn't that a thing? That, that was a thing. Like, somebody was smell blind. Oh, that was Dewey Cox. Dewey Cox in yeah. uh, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox score. He was, he was, he was smell blind. He was. It was a major disadvantage. <laughs> Completely related to oh, Fargo man. Season Guys, two. here we go. Fargo Season 2. Let's start that timer. I think we're ready for it. All right, here we go. Pitch session. Eight minutes on the clock. Three, two, one. Let's jam. All right, so Fargo season two. So this is a crime slash dark comedy show. Um, And season two takes place between Laverne, Minnesota and Fargo, North Dakota in March of 1979. It all kicks off with a shooting at the Waffle Hut in Laverne, <laughs> which leaves three people dead, including a judge from Fargo. The shooter's name is Rye Gerhardt, and he is the youngest son of an infamous and influential crime family from Fargo. And Rye, shortly after the shooting, disappeared. So this shooting occurs right as the patriarch of the Gerhardt family has had a stroke, and the family's trucking business is facing this hostile takeover by the Kansas City Mafia. And in the subsequent search for Rye after the shooting, it kicks off a series of misunderstandings and increasingly violent events involving the Gerhards, the Kansas City Mafia, local and state law enforcement, and an unassuming young couple from Laverne. So let's get into this character, shall we? Did, did you write that? Were you just reading from a script? Because that I, was great. Sure. I'm not. 100% improvised. <laughs> there are guns a-going off in his head. <laughs> <laughs> dueling away. Because I know what dueling is. All right, so let's start with the Gerhards. So the Gerhards, they're a prideful clan. Think, uh, you know, mafioso, only German, and living in Fargo, North Dakota. <laughs> um, so they're fighting to re- maintain their power. Uh, they are led now by the matriarch of the family. Her name, her name is Floyd strange um and she's now running the business floyd is very calm calculating but she will quickly turn from business to ruthless when her family is threatened that was improvised you're welcome (laughs) wait Uh, you said the first part was were you lying to us andrew was the first the next part character <laughs> is Dodd. Dodd is the eldest son of the Gerhardt family. He's the family's enforcer. He disapproves of his mother's rule because women shouldn't be ruling the family. Am I right, ladies? And so Dodd just thought that he would assume the throne. Um, but so he just, so he's pretty pissed off about all this. So he's going behind mom's back. And unlike Mom, who starts with business and then goes ruthless, Dodd starts right away with the violence. He's a nasty dude. And his right-hand man is just as nasty. His name is Hansi. And Hansi is frequently sent as a scout or investigator for the Gerhardt family. He is like the Terminator. He is silent. <laughs> he is perceptive. He is efficient. He's he a always time shows traveler. up in places. Huh? He's a time traveler. Nope, that part is not true. He's a wizard. Unless you want it. He's a butcher. He's a baker. He's a candlestick maker. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? He could be. Um, There are other Gerhards, but I'm not going to talk about them. You make them up. Next is the (laughs) Kansas City Mafia, who is primarily represented by a man named Mike Milligan, who is cooler than cool in both action and appearance. Hey, it's the 70s, guys. It's pretty cool. Um, So Mike is a company man. Remember, he works for the Mafia, so he sees everything as business. And because he's from Kansas City and he's up in the north now, he's not from around here. 
So he observes the behavior of the locals with, like, a clinical curiosity. He always has this kind of, like, well, he's a very stoic, very cool guy, but he's always making observations about the actions of the locals. And he is always flanked by these two bodyguards named the Kitchen Brothers, who are identical <laughs> twins, both mute, and they carry shotguns. <laughs> 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 Uh, on the law enforcement side, uh, the only guy I'm going to get into is Officer Lou Solverson, who is the show's white knight. Um, he's a state policeman who lives in Laverne, and he is investigating the Waffle Hut murders and Rye's disappearance. Um, and so he is our Marge Gunderson. He's brave, mm. he is comf- competent, he is compassionate, he is dedicated to his job and his family. He's got a wife and a young daughter at home. Um, and he is... Uh, like uncompromisable like he is a good guy through and through he's an Eddard Stark if you will yes that's a good comparison as well for those that have not seen the original film (laughs) alright the last group I'm going to talk about is the Blumquists so this is the family that I or the the, the couple that I mentioned (laughs) earlier so here's the deal guys after the shooting Rye didn't just, like, disappear. He didn't go on the lam. He got hit by a car, and it was driven by Peggy. Peggy Blumquist. And Rye went into the windshield and got wedged there. And instead oh. of calling the police and or taking him to the hospital, she went home and parked <laughs> in the garage and didn't tell anybody. Was him still in the, in the windshield? Yes. Um, and when her husband, Ed, came home... Uh, Rye woke up and attacked them, and Ed had to kill him. But nope, we're still not going to the police, because these people are dreamers, and they have plans for their lives, and they don't want to get messed up in any bad business. So Peggy is a hairdresser in Laverne, and yeah, she's a dreamer, but she doesn't really have any clear dreams. But she's obsessed with self-actualization, and she ain't gonna let no dead body and murder get in her way of self-actualizing. So she doesn't want to this bad business to get in the way of that. So her big thing is living to her full potential, even though we don't really get a good idea of what that is. And Ed is the butcher's apprentice in Laverne. And he's got dreams too. Dreams to buy the butcher shop, start a family, and live peacefully. Um, Which also, he doesn't want this dead body to get in the way. So they need to get rid of that body. Um... So, some tropes of the show that you can play around with. One of the big things, this is Fargo. People do violent things, and they have an effect. Some people are good at crime, some people are bad at it, but there are no clean getaways, no matter what you do. So, violence always leaves a trail, typically to more violence, and things can get downright brutal. Uh, Even (laughs) though the show, it's probably the biggest thing that identifies it, plays with this Minnesota nice thing which is like this forced charm, you know, hiding passive-aggressive, passive-aggression. You guys know it. One minute remaining. Um, One way that is described in the show, and Milligan, this is one of his observations, which I just love, he describes Minnesotans as, quote, pretty unfriendly, actually, but it's the way you're unfriendly, how you're so polite about it, like you're doing me a favor. (laughs) I like that a lot. I think that's a perfect way of describing it. Um, people are constantly using parables to communicate their point. Lots of folksy philosophy. Um, and it takes place in the winter, so it's cold. 
So all this stuff is going down, everybody's bundled up, there's snow everywhere, and the snow shows the blood pretty well. So it's uh -oh. hide to hide them crimes. Um, and there's frequently references to Coen Brothers movies. So they're always delightful, some of them are quite overt, uh, some of them are very subtle, um, some of them are just kind of baked into the way scenes are constructed. Um, so there's some scenes that like might directly re reference like Miller's Crossing where someone's walked out into like a forest and shot. Oh man, perfect timing because that was all of my improvised notes. So, <laughs> guys, that's yeah. the pitch. That's the information you're getting. And we're moving on to the next segment of the show, the Q&A portion. My favorite because you guys asked the questions. <laughs> All right, so we're going to start with, uh, one second, I got a coin, flip a coin here. Oh, oh, da, 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 da. Okay, it was Marcus. Marcus is going to go first. Um, even though it was a coin, just so you guys know, it was a coin that I keep. It's a personal coin of mine that has Marcus's face on one side and Eric's face on the other. Because you might be wondering, like, nobody called it, but it's like, you don't need to call it when I have my special coin. It was very so expensive. You don't need to worry about it. That's good. All right. Well, I'll be back. Bye. Good luck. <laughs> All right, Marcus. Two-minute Q&A. Begin. Okay. Uh, questions. Who is your favorite character and why? My favorite character is the Bloomquists. The Blumquists. Just all of I'll the Blumquists. Yeah, because they're your ordinary couple that just gets mixed up in all this bad business, and they feel the most Minnesotan to me. Dealing okay. with the violent things. Uh, what is one of the most violent... Like, what's the extreme end of violence in this show? Oh, man. Um, well, a body gets put through a meat grinder at one point. Ooh! Wasn't there um, a wood chipper scene in the original movie? That was the, the famous thing. But there's yes. a meat grinder, Sweeney Todd style. Yeah, man. There you go. All right, all right. That's exciting. Uh... Are there any younger characters, or are these all sort of older, established people in these areas? Well, the the Blumquists are a younger couple. I would uh, say they're in their like late twenties. Okay. Um, the show kind of ages them that way. Um, and Lou is an an uh, he's his family's younger. Like his daughter's only like seven or something like that. So he's got a bit of a younger family too. So, uh, are there any dirty cops in this, or is it only our white knight? Yeah, there are dirty cops. In fact, that's one of the ways that they kind of create foils for Lou is because everybody uh, is has been bought out by the Gerhards. So <laughs> sure. he's the one guy who's an outsider um, when he's dealing with law enforcement from Fargo because the Fargo PD doesn't really want to deal with the Gerhards. Just a little flavor question: the trucking business. What are they? What are they shipping? Uh, well. They're a mob family, so there's some drugs involved. Oh, okay. Uh, as for the legal side of it, I don't remember. All right, doesn't matter about drugs. I like that. There's some bricks, mm -hmm. perhaps? Ooh! A brick? Look in the archives, everybody. Ooh, uh, Look in the archives. Season one, available Time's now. Time's up. <laughs> uh, you of your choice. Oh, ah. there's the timer. It's done. Good questions. You got a two-minute head start on Eric. Go write, your, write it. Yeah! <laughs> All, right. All right, Eric. See ya. Eric, step into my office with my deer antlers adorning the walls. Wow, this is a nice place. You like that? There's a moose over there. Not a deer. Different yeah. animal. <laughs> and over yes. there is a mountain goat. 
different Are you animal. saying uh, you use antlers in all of your decorating? Are oh, you Gaston? Like Gaston. Uh, oh. No comment. Oh, okay. All so, right. uh, two minutes on the clock, yeah? Two minute Q&A, begin. Uh, okay, so, uh, is there, is, does anybody get wood chippered in this? No. Nobody gets wood chippered. Well, no. <laughs> there's room for improvement. Uh, man, there are so many factions that you were talking about in families. I can't keep them straight. This is going to be, this is going to be interesting. That's <laughs> I don't right. know what to even ask. Because uh, there are people from Kansas City. Yep. There are people from Fargo. There are people yep. from Laverne. Yep. Uh, I don't know what to say, man. I got. What do you want I to got, talk about? We can talk about. It. This is your can, time. That's true. That's true. This is my time, uh, because there's going to be people, people killing, and uh, that's going to be my story, right? I mean, maybe if you want, maybe, uh, maybe somebody that would be will, fitting in the show, fitting in with the show. People getting killed. Yeah, somebody could uh, maybe get uh, popped in the head by one of those like cattle uh, gas-powered cattle killer things. You know well, that, that, that might happen. Callback. That would be a Coen Brothers movie reference. Yeah, uh, there could maybe be a dude, and maybe he would be abiding. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps that That's could perhaps happen. that would be another reference to another yeah. Coen Brothers I'm, movie. I'm glad you're you're going along with this. Uh, I mean, let's see what else could you do. You what could, else could I do? Uh, you could steal a baby. Um, uh, raising from, Arizona uh, from uh, the a, a quintuplet and raise it as your own. Call it Eric wow. Jr. Uh, we could have a folk writer named Lewis Lewin Davis. Uh, oh, maybe, there could be music. Put there some could music, be music in it. If if you were going to choose a song to represent season two of Fargo, what would it be? What would the one song be? Pop song. The one pop song from the seventies. From the seventies. Yep. Oh man. Uh the immigrant song by Led Zeppelin because we come really? from the land of the ice and snow, baby. Is that actually played Time's in this up. season? Nope. I can't ask. I can't answer that because nope, time can't. is up. Well, that's um, too bad. But this was know, an enlightening Q and A segment. This was a great I'm gonna session. Go, I'm gonna go right. So thank you for all your help. Thank you, and thank you, <laughs> listeners, for listening to my excellent pitch. I know it was your favorite so far. <laughs> And we will be right back with some excellent fit. Hey folks, Andrew here with a brief message before we kick off story time. If you like the show, there's a few things you can do to support us. The first and most important is subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcatcher. Get those episodes right when they come out. Also, while you're on that podcatcher, leave us a five-star rating and review. Helps others find us. You can also follow us on all the social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, as Sham Fiction. That's one word. And if you really like us, you can kick us a few bucks on coffee.com. That's ko-fi.com slash sham fiction. All those funds go to helping us keep the lights on here at the show. Whether you do all of these things or none of them, thank you so much for listening. Let's get back to the show. Oh heck. Don't you know it's time for the second half of the show there. How you guys doing? <laughs> Much worse now. <laughs> You mean you don't want me to do my the second whole second half of the show like this now? 
You don't you want know, me to I talk? I was just loving it. I just thought it sounded real good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I expect you all to be talking at least a little bit like that. Because this is Fargo we're talking about. Um, so, welcome back, everybody. Now's the time to get to the reading of the fix. Both of these <gasps> beautiful writers in front of me. <gasps> are going to be reading their version of Fargo Season 2. And who are we going to start with? Who are we going to start with? Uh, 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 I don't know. Yeah. Let's go with uh, Let's go with Eric. Eric, you're... <gasps> the, pr- the prettier of the writers, you're, I get you're it. You're going to go first. Thank you. The, I like going first. The prettiest first. writer, comma, bearded category. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Uh, I'm always the winner in that category in this group. Uh, maybe one of you should uh, come to play. I'm gonna take saying. you on. <laughs> now, see, you see, that's what I've been wanting to hear for ten goddamn years. <laughs> Andrew's gonna grow a beard. You heard it here first. Let's watch this happen in real uh, time. First. It'll be great <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> we'll describe right. it every week on the podcast in vivid detail. Ooh, there's a little stubble this time. <laughs> Good starting point. All right, Monsieur Carlson, please yes. regale us with your Fargo. All right, my version of Fargo season two. And when I say Maya, I mean uh, Eric. My name's Eric. Uh, yep, it's me. We're going to do this. Ready? If you, if you thumbs up, I can't hear you. The audience can't hear you. They Are can't? we ready? Thumbs up. There it is. Okay. Yes, <laughs> Mr. Carlson. All right, and begin. It was all over. The nightmare was about to end. Dragging the body out of the house and loading it into the newly repaired Vista Cruiser had taken a lot out of Peggy. (laughs) And carrying it unseen into the butcher shop in the middle of the night was the most harrowing thing she had ever done. The stress of it was nearly enough to make her second-guess Ed's plan. But then she remembered what Farrah Caro always said, Feel the fear and do it anyway. (laughs) If Miss Caro could become the best-selling author with words like that, then there must be something to them. She let herself sit down on the stool behind the cold cuts and closed her eyes. It had been such a long night, and now the rhythmic sounds of Ed chopping away in the back was enough to nearly lull her to sleep. It was all over. The sharp knock on the front window made her jump nearly out of her skin. Without realizing it, she was on her feet, holding onto the counter for support in the the unlit storefront, staring at the smiling face of Lou Silverson. He was standing outside, (laughs) right beside the front door, waving at her through the large front window, state police officer badge pinned to the outside of a thick blue winter coat. Off for shit, she said to herself, (laughs) then swallowed hard to try to coax her throbbing heart back down from her throat. Officer Silverson tapped the window again, then pointed to the front door. He wanted to get in. Why did he want to get in? He was on to them. What was she going to do? She hesitated, then looked behind her, back towards the thin, gray-painted wooden door that separated her from the back of the shop where Ed was working, chopping away, completely unaware that the jig was up. It was all over. Silverson was staring at her, a placid smile glued to his face. If he really wanted to get inside, Peggy thought, he probably could. She eyed the gun at his hip and wondered why he wasn't holding it, or pointing it at her, or shooting open the lock on the front door with it the way they did on Hawaii Five-0. <laughs> was it possible he was just there to pick up a pound of ground beef? She unlocked the front door and opened it just wide enough for her to say, Sorry, officer, but the shop's closed. You'll have to come back tomorrow. 
Silverson's foot presented her from, prevented her from shutting the door all the way. A cold winter breeze blew through the crack and gave Peggy a chill. Evening, Mrs. Blomquist. Sorry to barge in, but I saw your car out back and was wondering what you might be doing at your husband's shop at 10.30 on a Tuesday, he said with a casual tone. Is he around? She blinked and stared at him for a moment. He just saw their car. That's why he was here. He's a policeman and he saw something suspicious. He's just doing his job. No reason to panic. Feel the fear and do it anyway. <laughs> oh, he's, a, he's in the back, she replied, trying to suppress the heaviness of her breathing. Why so late? He pressed. Finishing up some work is all, she said with a smile. Truckload of beef came in at closing time and he didn't want it sitting here all night, don't you know? The officer nodded and smiled. Was she off the hook? That was easy. Why had she been so worried? All it took was a little belief in herself, and she could get away with anything. Her smile became genuine, and she said, So, if you'll excuse me, and made to close the door again. His foot remained locked in place. <laughs> Only one car out back, Peggy, he said. Excuse me? That's your Vista Cruiser out back, right? Yes. And Ed drives a little Volvo hatchback, doesn't he? Officer, I'm not sure why. I'm only asking because I just drove by your house, which is about eight miles from here, by the way, and saw Ed's Volvo parked in the driveway. Now, you tell me that Ed's just finishing up some work, and so I have to wonder how he got here this morning. Surely he didn't walk eight miles. Um, she stammered in response. Feel the fear. She smiled at the officer again, then said, Okay, you caught us. Ed's not finishing up any work. We came here together just a few minutes ago. You mind telling me why? Well, n not that it's any of your business, she said, accompanied by her most naughty, flirtatious smile. But I, I like seeing my man at work, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm afraid I don't. Oh, don't tell me that Mrs. Silverson doesn't like seeing you in your uniform, officer. Handcuffs on your belt? She must love that. She's never gone for a ride along in your squad car? Peggy, are you trying to tell me that you're here for a ride along? He wasn't smiling, but she compensated with a wide grin of her own. I think that's between me and my husband, don't you know? Now, if you'd let me lock up for the night. She tried once again to shut the door, but Silverson wouldn't let her. Peggy, I know the rules are a little different in the hairdressing industry, but if you're trying to tell me that you and your husband were here at a butcher shop, which is a sanitary place where food is processed <laughs> for human consumption, to have marital relations with each other, then we have a problem. The smile vanished from her face. Silverson said, as an officer of the state of Minnesota, it would be my duty to report such an infraction to the health inspection department. Your husband would be out of a job for this, Peggy. She opened her mouth to argue, but she didn't know what to say. She had thought that lying to the officer about a late night tryst would appeal to the man's Midwestern ideals of privacy and indecency. <laughs> she thought it would make him butt out and go away for fear of hearing more details about her and Ed's love life. The fact that he was now turning her lie back around on her and threatening her and her husband's way of life absolutely baffled her. If she kept up the lie and Officer Silverson reported them to the health inspectors, then she'd be flushing Ed's dream of owning the butcher shop down the crapper. But what was the other choice? If he discovered the body of the man they'd kill, they would end up in jail. 
Either way, their eggs were baked. (laughs) (laughs) It was in that moment of silence that the distinct click and growling sound of a meat grinder came to life. Coming to life filled the shop. Silverson noticed. Peggy, I'm going to need you to let me in. Why? Because unless making sausage is how Ed gets in the mood, you've been lying to me. Now, I'd like to talk to your husband. Christ! This was it. There was nothing else she could say to get rid of him. Maybe Ed would know what to do. Do it anyway. Okay, you can come in. I'll go grab Ed. She let go of the door and skipped off to the back and through the gray door before Silverson had stepped all the way through the threshold. As soon as she was inside, she nearly gagged. Directly in front of the large, gargling meat grinder was a stainless steel hopper filled completely with human body parts. Pale arms, legs, and a hairy head poked out of the top of the container, (laughs) surrounded by seemingly endless quantities of blood, gore, and bile. The smell was horrifying. (laughs) Peggy, why are you back here? said Ed's deep voice. He was standing beside the contraption, hand on a small control panel at the front of the machine that lifted the hopper over the grinder, which stopped mid-ascent as he stepped towards her. His gray-striped apron was splattered with dark blood, and she instinctively took a step away from him as she approached, as he approached. Peggy looked away from the mess and tried to breathe. Feel the fear. (laughs) She could do this. Eddie, she began with a deep, steadying breath. We have company. It was at that moment that the gray door opened yet again, revealing Officer Lou Silverson. Peggy and Ed stared at him, completely frozen in fear. Oh, Christ, said the officer as a hundred expressions chased each other across his lined face. He had seen everything, and he wasn't taking it in any easier than she had. He shakily reached for the pistol at his hip, but Ed was quicker. In half a second, a blood-soaked cleaver was off of a nearby butcher's block and in her husband's hand. Officer Silverson only had enough time to say, "Uh, Now hold on! Before the cleaver came down on his head. (laughs) (laughs) The end, don't you know? Oh, you betcha! There it is. You just killed a guy. I did. Oh my goodness. That That's happened. That's exciting. What a period to the end of that sentence. Zowie. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Zowie. So, uh, trademark. Before <laughs> I say too much more than that about Eric's fic, let's move on over to Mr. Man. Marcus, let's hear your Fargo. All right, I, I'm ready to do some Fargo, but I don't know if I can do the accent the whole time, you know? <laughs> I've got a lot good. of characters here. That's uh-huh. okay, you don't have to. You don't have to. Give our listeners a break, maybe. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Marcus's Fargo Season 2, that is. Mm-hmm. Yes. Important note. It's distinct. Getting away with murder, Peggy thought would be a lot easier without the man's mother coming into the salon all the time. There she was, right on schedule, for a gypsy cut and blow dry. With a name like Floyd, it was no wonder she liked having a fella's haircut as well. Looked a lot better on David Cassidy. Floyd, come sit down. Cold enough out there for ya? Just the cut will be fine, dear. No need for chatter. My teeth can't stop chattering in this weather, you know? (laughs) Get it? (laughs) Chattering? Chattering? (laughs) I'll get started. 
<laughs> Peggy busied herself with cleaning off a pair of scissors that were already pristine as she glanced at Floyd's associates in the mirror. The big one, Dodd, was her son and Rye's older brother. He looked just about as out of place in the salon as a fashionable outfit would look on his mother. He pretended to read a magazine. She could only assume he was pretending he didn't look like the reading type, while his associate sat down next to him. Peggy had never caught that fella's name, but the guy gave her the creeps. Never spoke or nothing. The usual Mrs. Gerhart? I could try some- I said no need for chatter, Floyd interrupted. <laughs> Peggy started snipping the hair just below Floyd's ears. She thought about slipping the scissors into Floyd's neck, but she was pretty sure Dodd and the mine would kill her before she could get away, and that wouldn't help her be her best self one bit. No. <laughs> Instead, Peggy listened. There were three types of people who came into the salon. The ones who chatted with you and wanted some gossip. The ones who kept to themselves rather than forced conversation. And, of course, the ones who didn't see a stylist as a person so much as scenery. Those folks, fine folks tended to have their own conversations and forget there was a set of ears attached to the scissors floating around their neckline. What are we doing here, Ma? Dodd said after a few silent minutes. I'm getting my hair cut, boy. You know what I mean. What are we still doing in the city? Now, why would I think you meant that? That would mean you were questioning my decisions. And that would be a very stupid thing for someone to do, even you, Daddy. Peggy was grateful, then, that Floyd had cut her off before suggesting a new hairstyle. The woman did look like someone who could do a person some harm. Of course, looks weren't always everything. Peggy was as cute as a button, after all, and she had just <laughs> killed Floyd's son a few weeks back. <laughs> I'm tired of this. We should be doing something. You know what I'd do? Son, for once, could you be smart enough not to tell me? Well, Hansi knows. As a matter of fact, Hansi, why don't you head out now? Hansi? The mute's name was Hansi? What was it with these Germans? <laughs> <laughs> Sit, dog, Floyd said. Hansi, who had started for the door, returned to his chair. The room was so tense that Peggy slipped with her scissors and took off a chunk of Floyd's hair that definitely shouldn't have been removed. She forced herself to keep calm and clipping, praying that Floyd was too oblivious about style to notice. Our friends in the sheriff's office have informed me that Mr. Silverson is heading out today to bring in a suspect. A butcher, I think he was. Peggy's hand stopped working when Floyd said the word butcher. Um, excuse me, Floyd, but I have to, uh, new pair of scissors, back room. She couldn't hear Floyd's complaints over the blood rushing through her ears. She tried to keep her steps even, but she made it to the manager's door in seconds. It wasn't even closed as she jabbed her finger into the dial. Five, zero, seven, six, her nail broke. This damn phone was always snagging her nails. Unlike that nice red vintage rotary back home. She'd never seen anyone's finger get stuck in that. She switched to her middle <laughs> finger to finish dialing, and a year later she heard her husband's voice on the other end of the line. You've got Ed. Honey, listen, <laughs> Floyd was just here and Peggy... This isn't the best time. No shit. The police are on their way and I've got to go. Ed! But the line was already dead. Sorry about that, officer, Ed said. You know, women can worry if you don't pick up on your day off. <laughs> Not that I was sleeping around this time. You know how that goes. <laughs> you ever fool around, officer? No. Oh, you're not <laughs> married then. No, I'm married. Right. Ed filled the silence with the sound of his knife on a chopping board. The carrots cut easily enough, but they didn't have that satisfying feel of slicing into something that used to be alive. <laughs> so, where were we? I was telling you that you're under arrest, 
said the officer. Thanks for the hot cocoa, by the way. He put down the <laughs> cup Ed had offered him when he came in. <laughs> ah, right. That's where we were disagreeing, Ed said. I don't think it's right to arrest innocent people. Chop, chop, chop. There are buckets of blood in the snow outside. Well, I'm a butcher. I work with blood. Why would you smear <laughs> it up your driveway? Well, my wife's a gardener. That's still the... Wait, why would that matter? <laughs> Best fertilizer there is. As soon as the thaw comes around, we'll have the greenest grass for miles. You'll see. Ed <laughs> was always good at thinking on his feet. That rye boy would find that out when he tried to attack his wife. The officer blinked. Look, I don't think that's true. Besides, we saw your old windshield at the mechanics. It was covered in blood. Officer, I'm sure you're just trying to do your job, but I'm a family man. You wouldn't want to ruin the lives of a couple of dreamers just getting their start, would you? Ed finished chopping the carrots, but held fast to the knife. It's nothing about what I want to do, said the officer. It's about following the law. I don't think you mean that. If you did, you would have radioed for support already. I've seen that on Adam 12. It never took someone in alone. <laughs> Actually, my radio froze up, so I can't make the call. Tell you what, Ed said. He was feeling pretty confident. He set down the knife and brought his phone over to the counter, placing it right in front of the officer. If you really believe that bringing me in and separating me from my loving wife is the right thing to do, you go ahead and use my phone. Said you were married, just follow your heart. Ed had never seen someone dial so quickly. It was all he could do to grab the knife and lop off the officer's finger before he could finish. (laughs) The sharp blade felt better in his skin than it had in the carrots. Just like cutting chicken. (laughs) Now the officer screamed and ran out the door, completely oblivious to the fact that Ed had lifted his keys when he came in. The crimson rotary phone whirred back to its starting position, with the finger firmly lodged inside the wheel. Peggy wouldn't like that one bit. She'd always been fond of that phone. It really brought the room together. (laughs) Well, maybe it was time for a touchstone anyway. The end. Yay! Yay. Oh, that was fun. (laughs) Brought the room together. I'm glad we both cleaved Officer Silverson. (laughs) Of course, and I like that we both made references to, like, 70s cop dramas. (laughs) Yeah! Yeah, that was good. different 70s cop dramas. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Ah. Which one do you like better, Adam-12 or Hawaii 5-0? I never really watched Hawaii 5-0. Uh, see, I never really watched Adam 12. Yeah, it's, it's Adam 12 and ships, Dragnet on the Nick at ships Night. Ships in the night, I'm yeah. afraid. <laughs> All right. Oh, good. I, I'm glad you brought that up, because that was going to be one of the things that I asked about. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> Guys, thank you for sharing your stories. I enjoyed the heck out of them. Uh, and we're going to get to some critiques and some some some, some, some scores. But first, Scores? What? Or I mean, the you know some uh, who winners and losers. We oh, do sure. that on this show. Yeah, no. yeah. Okay. We do. As long as definitely either Eric or I is going to win, I'm fine with it. <laughs> we'll see about that. Uh, so guys, <laughs> while I'm thinking about how you did, you know, I'm I'm chewing over your stories like a great piece of jerky from Ed's Butcher Shop. Uh... <laughs> Tell me, how was how was this writing process? Eric, you went first. Yeah. You go ahead. Ah, uh, this was a really fun assignment. Um, 
So uh, this was a very quick write for me. I sat down and got this whole thing out on the page in about two hours, like outlined and written in about two and a half, maybe. Um, so this came to me really fast. The, I, I was most intrigued by the Peggy and Ed story because they're just, they're the perfect characters for Fargo. I mean, they're mm-hmm. just like, they're oblivious and they're like selfish. And it's this kind of this hopeful optimism that's covering up this grisly, grisly reality. And that's just so intrinsically Fargo from what I know from seeing the movie and from what you described in the pitch. So definitely wanted to follow them. Peggy seemed like a better POV character for some reason. And I wanted to do her voice. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And uh, it seemed obvious that they would bring the body into the butcher shop. And although it wasn't a wood chipper, throwing a body into a meat grinder, like a sausage maker, would be a, a a pretty good way to dispose of a corpse, eh? Yeah, and I will tell you right now, that uh, that is exactly what happens on the show. Yes, yes. In fact, the scene that you wrote is Mm -hmm. spookily similar to something that actually happens on the show. Yes. It was ridiculous. (laughs) Tell me more good things about myself. Yeah, well, I'll I'll just just leave it. It's it's a scene between Ed and Officer Solverson. Instead of Peggy, but it's because uh-huh. Ed is in the butcher shop late, and he is, and he Lou sees a light on and wants to check it out, <laughs> and yeah. it's Ed in the back grinding up a body. <laughs> that's so good. I am pleased. So that's uh, that's just that's uncanny. Great. That was awesome. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Marcus, tell us about your process writing Ferger. Well. I'll point out to Eric that I did know about the meat grinder from my Q&A with Andrew. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that was awesome that you did that. Because when you were reading, I thought, oh, he must have known about that too. But of course, it was from the Q&A. So you had no idea. That's very good. No idea. Yeah. So my process was you gave us a billion characters. Um so I was having a hard time figuring out. I knew the Bloomquists were going to be a big part of it, but I wanted to include more of the characters. So I thought uh, play a bit with Floyd, and I liked the idea of Dot having to sit and wait for her to get her hair cut at the salon. That was a nice touch. Uh, so then I thought, oh, I'll just connect it with a phone. And I looked up rotary phones uh, weren't overtaken by touchtone until 84, I believe it was. So... Spot on. Uh, knew Spot that on. I could chop off one of Silverson's fingers. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be a lot of fun. I loved it. That's great. Uh, you That's... know how I would describe you chopping off Lou Silverson's finger? Zowie, I think is the word, <laughs> the word that comes to mind. Hey, that's what I said. Trademark uh, sham fiction, 2017. Um, so this was another quick write, too. Yeah. Cool. What's your word count? Uh, about 1270 again. Wow. Mine about was the same. Uh, 1510. Ooh. Just about the same as my baby driver. Baby And driver. just over the limit, so. Uh-oh. 
Uh-oh, that might hurt you. Um, so I want to ask a bit about uh, the research that went into this, since you guys had mentioned it. So this was a quick writing process, it sounds like, for both of you. Did you spend very little time researching the period? or Because I, those, those details really lent a lot of flavor to both of your stories. Um, the process for me, like no research. I looked, The research I did was to look up uh, what current model cars there were in like 1975. Sure. And so the Vista Cruiser and the the Volvo seemed like good 70s era cars. Um, And like my whole thing was set in a butcher shop. And because I work in TV and like food television, I've spent a decent amount of time in those sorts of environments where you, you know, throw the big chunks of meat into the grinder and turn into the putty, the stuff for the sausage. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I had that sort of background already. Cool. So easy. Easy. Nice. All right. I looked up haircuts, 70s hairstyles. Yeah, gypsy cut. Floyd I'm, not, I, I, I'm not really sure what that looks like. You mentioned it's, that. Uh, yeah, so I mentioned it's David Cassidy from Partridge Family. Uh, it's kind of like a, a, a bowl cut that just grows long, and oh. men and women were both doing it around the time. I know exactly what you're talking about now. The yeah. most hideous haircut ever invented. Seemed right for Floyd. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and then I looked up the rotary phone. Adam 12, of course, I just used to watch. I verified that it was before 79. It was late 60s, so seemed like the kind of thing that young uh, Ed would have watched. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and one thing in terms of the... Um, so as far as our the judging criteria go here on Sham Fiction Season Duel... Uh, we talk about adherence to the pitch, quality of the story, and originality-creativity. And I've already talked about how Eric's was very spooky. Uh, Marcus, um, I think the, one of the, the characters that really struck as far as closest to the show for you were Floyd, especially. Mm-hmm. I think she you hit her the strongest of anybody. Um, I loved that that detail that you've already mentioned that she brings her boys in for a haircut with her and they sit like a child would. You know, that really emphasizes this kind of strange family dynamic that the, that the Gerhards have. They're very close. There's nothing quite like that in the show, but it felt very close to something that would happen on the show. Um, and just her general demeanor about that she lacked any sense of style and was very terse and to the point was dead on um one of the characters that you um that i thought was really fun but uh didn't match the character from the show hardly at all was ed ed Mm. was way too villainous in this he was way too sure of himself when you say at one point that ed's good about thinking on his feet that is not the case <laughs> at all. He's flying by the seat of his pants. Uh, and and in this, it just seemed like he was much more together in a very uh, high-pressure situation. Whereas with Eric's story, the way Peggy reacted um, felt very in character for her and just her terrible lie. You know, just being completely unable to lie adeptly in any way was dead on for that character. Um, but I really like the structure of your story, Marcus, the way that you use that phone as this fulcrum 
this kind of switching point. And I loved that. Yeah, that was so clever. And that the phone becomes like this little, you know, thing that, you know, comes back around at the end. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> like a rotary phone. <laughs> I get it. Ah, 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 ah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we're all on the same pause. page here. Yeah, yeah, that was clever. Um, I like, I, I, I really like that transition, Marcus, because it felt like I could see the edit. Like it's, it's like cutting to the phone being hung up, and then, oh wait, we're not in the salon anymore. It's Ed hanging up his phone, and now we're in this other scene. It just felt very filmic. Excellent, thank you. Which, which struck me. It surprised me, and it delighted me. It tickled my fancy. Great, it grinded your meat. <laughs> it moistened some things. Yeah, so <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, like a big juicy steak. Um, we'll go with that. Right? Thank you. Um, also, oh, Eric, I was going to ask you. <laughs> yeah. Ferro Caro? Uh, uh, I kind of butchered the pronunciation. Farrah Caro. I just made it up. You just made it up. Okay. Yep. Not a real person. All right. I was just going to ask about that. I stole a real uh, motivational writer's thing. Like the feel the fear and do it anyway. That's like somebody from the 80s said that for real. And I stole it shamelessly. Oh, man. We can't even credit them. You'll have to look it up. George Washington. All right. I, yes, Eric, I, 1780s. That is what I meant when I said 80s. <laughs> 1780s. Eric, I also have to dock you a bit because I think <gasps> you called him Silverson. And it's Did I? Solverson. Maybe it was your dialect. Wait, what is it? Solverson. With Solverson. An o, with an O. I heard Silverson the entire time you were pitching. Oh, for shit. Yep. <laughs> that was a I thing. wrote Silverson. Oh man! I will take your docked points, point uh, master. But yeah, no. Just but aside from that, uh, great, great tension in both of your stories. Eric just withholding it, or, or holding it uh, for that entire length of of the story, and and with a, with a very uh, exciting payoff. And same with Marcus and how you kind of switched it. You know, you have these two scenes, but the tension kind of carries throughout both of them. I really, really appreciated that. So, guys, these are really these are two excellent stories. You did great work. Proud of both of you. I'm a proud papa today Aww. for my Aww, thanks, baby pa. sham riders. Um, so I now's, love you, Dad. Now's the time. Thanks, son. Now's the time. <laughs> it's a family here. On That's Sham what you Fiction. want to hear from your dad. I love you, Dad. Thanks, son. <laughs> it's exactly like my real family. Oh, no. Sad life. Why wouldn't you? Uh, so we've come to the, the, the point in the show where we gotta, we got to name a, a winner and a loser. Hey. Um, and, gentlemen, you wrote valiantly. I've praised your work very well. I, I've done a great job. You did, you did a really did good really job good. praising our work. I've done a great job at, at praising oh, your work. Pat on the back. If I could, if I could claim myself it as a winner, I might, I might. But I am a generous soul, and I am awarding the winner this week of writing Fargo to Noah Hawley. Ah. Um, wait. 
That I am, rat I, bastard. I am shocked. This is an outrage. I never saw this coming. What? So That's you're saying right. Noah Hawley wrote it better than either of us? I'm saying he did. Noah Hawley created this darn show, and he's a darn good writer, don't you know? <laughs> so he's the winner this week. No. Also, the Coens for writing the original movie, because they always win. They're okay. Oh, God. More terrible <laughs> words have never been said. You could say they, that they're bad and it'd be better than saying they're okay. Okay? <laughs> What's okay? Uh, you're okay. Docked 100 points. Oh, hey, never mind. Oh, no! Uh, but I love you. Remember that part where I yep, said that I love yep, you, Dad? You did, yep, yep. You, you, you gained a few more. You, okay. It's maybe, maybe 50. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So, as far as the least loser goes, um, even though that, 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 that comment aside, uh, I'm going to hand it to Mr. Carlson. Eric, <gasps> you are the least loser Hooray! this week. Thank you, Dad. You're my favorite dad of my two dads on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Category this show. <laughs> oh, awesome. I feel I'm good terribly about crushed, but well, well done, Mr. Carlson. Mm-hmm. Yep, you're a loser. I'm a loser. We're all losers. Yep. But me slightly less so. L- slight, slightly less so. Just, mm-hmm. just don't, don't get cocky, kid. Well, who don't. is last the most in these first three episodes of Sham Fiction? Oh, thank you very much. Oh, oh Marcus Man. Marcus Man is gonna be battling out of the gate in the next cycle. He's gonna win all three of the next cycle somehow. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely gonna win the one I host. Uh-huh. Well, Andrew seems to think he won this one, too, even though he's not saying it. Noah Hawley, what? Yeah, that's a real name. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> made that up. I swear, it's real. Uh, so, I want to watch this show. Oh, man, you're a smart papa, Eric Carlson. <laughs> My three dads. That's, that's our podcast, Three Dads <laughs> Writing Things I Don't Know About. Uh, so... <laughs> Listeners, Eric, Marcus, you can watch Fargo Season 2 and Fargo Season 1 on Hulu if you're a subscriber. Um, It's also, the show is on FX, that network. It just wrapped its third season. And as I believe I made clear in the opening, it's a show that tells a new story every season. So you get ten episodes of new characters and a completely new situation every season. It's pretty that's, cool. That's madness. Nope, it's Sparta. Fargo. I meant Fargo. <laughs> oh, I enjoyed that. Oh, glad you did. You're already Gentlemen. won, Eric. You can stop sucking up. <laughs> I just think he's he's Boys. also so cute, and he's growing a really handsome beard. It's oh, just a baby beard. It's grown it's a little good. just over the last, like, 20 minutes. Uh-huh. <laughs> looking good. Looking Andrew's fine, beard. me. All uh, right, guys. Any closing thoughts before we say bye-bye? I just love you so hard. Oh, I, I won, feel dude. remiss if I didn't warn you all that you can't beat the dredge because they are pure energy. God, he's still doing that. I'll do it as long as they're a threat, Eric. <laughs> and, who, and who we can, if you can't beat them, they are always a threat. <laughs> all okay. right, gents. Thanks for entertaining me. I am satisfied. I'm going oh. to go to sleep now. And dream of your brilliant stories and faces. Alright. 
Bye, everybody. Andrew Neal's the best. Andrew Neal. <laughs> because that's me. Good night. 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 Sham Fiction is a Two Jackets production hosted by Eric Carlson, Marcus Mann, and Andrew Neal. Original music by Reed Reimer. Head to shamfiction.com for the episode archive. Sham Fiction. Write what you don't know. Hey, Sham listeners, Marcus here. Hope you enjoyed our three demo episodes. We'll be returning in two weeks with the first official episode of Season Duel, and it's going to be a fun one. We're diving back into the Marvel Comics universe with Brian K. Vaughn and Adrian Alfano's Runaways, which is now also an exciting show on Hulu. So I can't wait for you to see what Andrew and Eric come up with in one of my favorite episodes of the new season. See you then. This has been a Two Jackets production.